May God bless you greatly in this day. And once again, well, eight days of the week, they fly by. But for our God, we know there is no time. For us, of course, there is time. And we are here once again in an appointment that I have with you, a meeting to meditate on our Lord and learn the Bible. And today, you need to have your Bibles prepared and to have them ready because we're going to be reading several scriptures of the Bible, several different books and verses. And so prepare yourselves with your Bible and those who don't have one, if there's someone nearby you who does have a Bible, well, let them share with you or borrow. And so today, of course, we will be meditating on our Lord, but first we're going to be singing to our God a hymn, a very beautiful hymn, hymn number 27 titled sunshine in my soul that is the hymn that we will be singing in this day to honor and glorify the name of our god there is sunshine in my soul today more glorious and bright than glows in any earthly sky for jesus is my light oh there's sunshine blessed sunshine when the peaceful happy moments roll when jesus shows his smiling face there is sunshine in my soul there is music in my soul today a new song to my king and jesus listening can hear the songs I cannot sing. Oh, there's sunshine, blessed sunshine, when the peaceful, happy moments roll. When Jesus shows his smiling face, there is sunshine in my soul. There is springtime in my soul today. For when the Lord is near, the dove of peace sings in my heart. The flowers of grace appear. Oh, there's sunshine, blessed sunshine when the peaceful happy moments roll when jesus shows his smiling face there is sunshine in my soul there is gladness in my soul today and hope and love and praise for blessings which he gives me now for joys in future days oh there's sunshine 
blessed sunshine when the peaceful happy moments roll when jesus shows his smiling face there is sunshine in my soul the honor and the glory be for our god and we thank the lord once again because we are here before his presence and our god we must give him thanks give him the honor and the glory every day of our lives every day every time we open our eyes to a new day we must give god thanks and throughout the day whatever may occur good things moments of difficulty also give god thanks in this way well we must live gratefully grateful for him and god also will be mindful of us and will be aware of all of our needs our petitions and will also observe our maybe the inconsol inconsolable feelings maybe we have with pain and sickness but we must be grateful to god continuously and so now as you are seated and comfortable now in your place and with your bible at hand we're going to open our bibles and today we will be meditating upon the kingdom of our lord jesus christ now we always say that our Lord Jesus Christ is King of Kings, that he is the Lord of Lords. He is the head of the mountains. There is a part somewhere in the Bible where it says he is the head of the Bibles or the top of the mountains, and that was symbolizing the kings, and therefore he is King of Kings. So today we're going to be going over the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and the brothers and sisters, everybody who does go to the church, they know this topic, they know this doctrine, they know that the Lord Jesus Christ is our king. But as there are many people that are new, many people who are just starting to have experiences with the reading of the Bible or with the knowledge of God, well, for them, they ignore the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to go over our Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to review many things, many interesting things. And we open our Bible in the second of Samuel. In second of Samuel, we're going to open our Bibles. And very quickly, it is the Old Testament. Second Samuel, it is before the books of the kings. And in chapter 7, we will be reading verses 12, 13, and 14. Now here in chapter 7 of Second Samuel, uh, in some Bibles, there's a title, and it might be the covenant of God with David, a covenant that God made with David, King David where God promised David that his seed, his descendants, his offspring would be inheriting the throne and not just his offspring physically, materially, but 
he was, the Lord was also referencing or speaking this for the future, his offspring spiritually. Now, this was meaning the Messiah, the Savior, who would come in the future. And this is why the Lord speaking with David in verse 12. Now, David wanted to build a temple for the Lord. And the Lord told him he did not want the temple to be built because he knew that his son Solomon would be doing these things. But he did make him a marvelous promise in verse 12. And please excuse me a little bit, brothers and sisters. The air is a little bit too cold. Please excuse me. We will be reading in verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, the Lord is telling this to David. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He is speaking for those last days, for the future. It was for when David would die. He didn't tell him that you will die, but he, was, he said you will rest with your fathers. He says, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. And so God made this promise to David. He formed this covenant. And in verse 13, he says, he, so your seed, your offspring, he shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now here we find that God was not speaking to him about Solomon. For had he been speaking to him of Solomon, then he would not have told him that he would establish the throne forever. Because Solomon, well, we know he died. And Solomon also failed the Lord. So this was speaking regarding the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. That king in the future who would come to rule. It says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. And this is verse 14. The Lord making this promise or this covenant with David saying that his seed, his offspring, he says, I will be his father. He shall be my son. This is why when our Lord Jesus Christ was on earth speaking, he spoke of his father. He said, my father who sent me, my father who sent me. He always said this. And it says, and if he commits iniquity, now the Lord did not commit iniquity, but his descendants, his believers or his followers, they do commit iniquity or sins. Those followers of our God, those were those who were committing the sins. So this is why the Lord then says, I will be his father and he shall be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. Now he did not do any sort of evil, but as he took on the sins of humanity, of mankind, of those who would go on to believe in our Lord, as our Lord Jesus Christ took on all of their sins, he then made himself a sinner. He made himself culpable and to blame. 
He made himself as someone who had done evil because he took on everyone's sins. And as he took on everyone's sins, it says the Lord punished him. The Lord allowed for him to be slandered, persecuted, stoned, insulted. And then on the cross of Calvary, his sacrifice, that was the punishment. He says, now if he... Of course, commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men, meaning I will punish him like a human being. As a human being is punished, I will punish him. And so this king was punished. Our Lord Jesus Christ was punished this way because he took on the sins, the rebellion, and the stubbornness of those human beings. And so this is why the Lord punished the Lord harshly. And the Lord did so, so that he could save mankind and for the Lord to forgive. And so, here we find in this covenant that the Lord made with David concerning the kingdom of that future king, that his kingdom would be forever. And we are speaking regarding our Lord Jesus Christ. So this verse 14, it says a lot, in which he says that he would be punished, and so he was, as... Any other being is punished, and this came to pass. And now, we'll quickly go over to the book of Jeremiah. The book of the prophet Jeremiah, which is almost in the middle of the Bible, after Psalms, and you'll find Isaiah, and then Jeremiah. After Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah, it is chapter 23, those who have already found the book. Jeremiah chapter 23, we are... Speaking of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 5. Which says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A branch, so meaning someone would be born from his roots, from his lineage someone would be born a branch a new branch like a tree when a tree first starts to grow then it sprouts a branch from its trunk a branch or maybe there's another word for it and then someone says i'm gonna cut it and then i'm gonna plant it somewhere else because i can get another tree that that comes up from this so that's the branch that's the righteous branch. It would be born or raised up from David. He says, again, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. And this branch, it says, he, a king, shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. It says that this branch that would come from David would reign as king and he would prosper and execute judgment judgment and righteousness in the earth and so you see this verse is very similar to the covenant that the lord made with david speaking of that king that his kingdom would be forever to execute judgment and righteousness in the earth blessed is the name of the lord now let us move on to the book of daniel now here we're in Jeremiah, then Ezekiel, Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. 
Daniel chapter 2. This is two books after Jeremiah. Daniel chapter 2 in verse 44. Now we are reading and we are learning concerning the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44. I repeat because I know that there are some people who join us a little bit late on the streams. In Daniel chapter 2 verse 44. And it says, here in Daniel, I'm just going to share a bit, a bit quickly about what happened here. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar there in Babylon had a dream. And in that dream, it, it disturbed him because he saw an image of a beast and its arms, its legs, that they were made of stone and his head of gold. So he was confused with the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. So Daniel was in Babylon and they told the king that Daniel was a young man who had come from Judah from those who had been deported and brought as prisoners to Babylon and they could see that he had God with him had the spirit of God and he perhaps could interpret the dream the dream for Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar had called for his wise men his sorcerers and those interpreters all the people that would interpret dreams for him they were his advisors and no one was able to give an interpretation so they called daniel to come and interpret the dream so among other things he he begins to interpret the entire dream and how he describes that the legs and the images of what he saw here in verse 44 and in the days of these kings, verse 43, Daniel tells the king, As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. Verse 44, it says, And in the days of these kings, because now Daniel is interpreting that this dream that he had was regarding kings and empires that would come in the future. And in verse 44, he says, And in the, the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Now here, when he speaks that in the days of these kings, he was speaking of one last kingdom, one last empire, which was the Roman Empire. And before that, it was the Greek Empire. And then following, it was the Romans. Now, when our Lord Jesus Christ was born and he came to the earth, and that Roman Empire was ruling at the time. So in verse 44, Daniel says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. He will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. This is why when our Lord Jesus Christ was born, it says that some wise men from the east, God revealed to them that the Messiah had been born, that the Savior of the world had been born, that the King of the Jews had been born. God revealed this to these wise men. They had nothing to do with the Israelites or Jews. They were foreigners. They were pagan. And they came to Jerusalem and they said, where is the King of the Jews who has been born? We have seen his star 
God has revealed it to us that the king of the Jews has been born. And this is why it says that in the time that King Herod was ruling, he was worried and wondering what happened. And this is when he then says, okay, I'm going to order that all of the children under two be killed so that among them, that king who has just been born will die. So in that time that happened and the world was governed and ruled by the Roman Empire, the Israelites were ruled by the Romans. And so I'll read verse 44 again. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And of course, that is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. This kingdom... It says, it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Now it says that this kingdom will be breaking in pieces, will consume and destroy all of the other kingdoms of the world. But the kingdom of our Lord, it would abide and stand forever. And this is true, because here it was not saying that he was going to take the kingdom from these people and that he would then pos position himself as the king but no he would be breaking it and what does our lord do from the time he created man what has god done in the world god has blessed some few but god has also punished and destroyed and removed and broken into pieces those that are disobedient those that are unbelieving those that are stubborn and rebellious this is what the Lord has done from even that time and even this day. And God will continue to do that. For example, we today, we see that this sickness, this virus, this pandemic that we are living, this is a part of what it says here, that he will be breaking in pieces and consume and punishing all in the world but the kingdom of the Lord will stand forever. This is why we, we ought to be conscious and choose the path of our God to love him, to adore him, to honor him. Because we are not going to belittle the Lord and despise him and be rebellious because we do not want to suffer the punishment to suffer the hand of our God for being ignorant or rebellious. And so here it speaks of this king that will stand forever. And we continue with Hosea. Following that, it's, it's Hosea. And we are speaking of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the verses that we have read are beautiful. Hosea chapter 3, verse 8. So, I'm sorry, verse 5. Now, before we read verse 5, the Lord here was speaking to the people, those who already had returned from Babylon. The Lord was speaking to them that he was going to leave them for many years alone that he, that they would be without God for many years. 
that they would be without the manifestation of our God. And that is exactly what happened because after the, they returned from Babylon and the king of Babylon had taken from Judah and took them as captives, they spent 70 years, about 4,000 uh, people of the remnant that the Lord had chosen for salvation, but of course, well, not exactly for salvation, but at least that through them, the king would come, the king being our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord, of course, cared for those 4,800. He allowed them to be taken to Babylon. They lived there for 70 years, and they multiplied, and when they came back, there were many people for throughout those 70 years. There were many births. And when they were finally had returned to Jerusalem, the Lord returns with Hosea, and with Zechariah and gave them prophecies, revelations with Haggai, Malachi. They were one of the last few prophets. And God speaks to them through these prophets. God once again makes promises to the people that he was not going to leave them alone. But we're going to read here verse 4. It says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice, meaning that they could not do anything in the temple because it didn't exist. The temple didn't exist anymore. Now this verse did come to pass. It came to pass when the destruction of Jerusalem happened and they burned the city and they tore down the walls of the city and they burned down the temple that Solomon had built and everything was left destroyed. And from there, they never again built another temple and no one performed the sacrifices. And this is why it says that many days they shall abide without king. There was no king or prince. That was the last king, Hezekiah, without sacrifice or, or any sacred pillars. The temple didn't exist. Now, not even with the the sacred pillars, meaning those statues and the idolatry that they would practice, they couldn't do that anymore either because it was all destroyed. It says without ephod or teraphim, meaning they were no longer believing in those omens and superstitions of the pagans and the foreigners and idolatry. No longer were they going to do one thing or the other. They weren't going to worship God, nor were they going to worship their idols because everything had been destroyed, removed, erased. And this is what the Lord said to them. And this was true. This came to pass. This came to pass and they went to Babylon. They spent 70 years and after they returned back from Babylon, they begin to build a new temple, but it's no longer the same because the empires then come to rule them. The Persians, the Medes, the Greeks, and lastly, it was the Romans. And so all of that. So they were left without God. There were no prophets. There was no word from God. There was no comfort for anyone until John the Baptist came and until our Lord Jesus Christ was born. And so the story tells us that 430 years passed and the 70 years from, from Babylon, it was 500 years without God. 500 years without God. So how sad. In 500 years, they are 500 years. Imagine five generations. And so here in verse 5, the Lord was saying, well, I'm going to leave you alone. I will not manifest myself, but after, when those 500 years have passed, and the Lord never said it would be 500 years, we're just counting that 
it was approximately 500. The Lord here, he says in verse 5, Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. Now let us note, David had died many centuries back. David had died. So why is it saying here that in the future that the children of Israel would be seeking their king, David? It's because David, this physical David that existed, he was the image of the spiritual David or the symbol, which is Jesus Christ. He was David. The Lord told David, your offspring, your seed, your seed will inherit the kingdom and it will be forever. Speaking of Jesus Christ. And so here it says that they will seek their Lord, their God, and David, their king, and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days, meaning forever, because we know that the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ is a kingdom that reigns forever. And here now we go to Amos. After Hosea, it's Amos. Then Joel. Amos. And also the promise we find of our Lord. In Amos, the Lord is making promises to them and telling them all that would occur after the city and Jerusalem had been destroyed, after the remnant, remnant had been taken captives to Babylon, and then the Lord would then wait those 70 years to bring them back again. And so the Lord was making them that promise. And in verse 11, chapter 9, he says, On that day, meaning when the storm has passed, once the storm, which was those 500 years, then the day would come, the day of our God, the day of the manifestation of our God. It says, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. So the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, the Lord says, I will raise up on that day. Now, when this prophecy occurred, now I think approximately 800 years passed when our Lord Jesus Christ came and that prophecy was fulfilled. So our Lord Jesus Christ appears and his day is that's the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ and his manifestation. That is the day of the Lord, that day of our God. And it says that he will raise up the tabernacle of David. That tabernacle is spiritual. It is the spiritual tabernacle. It is not speaking of something physical, material. When our Lord Jesus Christ began to preach his gospel of the kingdom of heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples, and his disciples would say, look at the building you see these buildings? You see the temple? They said it was the temple that Herod had built. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, well, the day is coming, which those buildings that you are seeing, there will not be rock upon rock that is not destroyed. Our Lord Jesus Christ was saying that in the future, he, that the wars would come and destroy the temple, and once again, the city would be desolate and destroyed. The temple destroyed and never again would they build it again. 
That is what he prophesied to them on that day, to his disciples. And this is why it says here, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. So the Lord was going to raise up a new tabernacle, but it would be spiritual. And that tabernacle is his church. The tabernacle is made up of men and women who seek him truly and to do his will, keep his commandments. They are the true tabernacle that the Lord would be raising up in those days. He says, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. Meaning in that time, physically, the tabernacle, they had they had entrances that were prohibited, but they created them so that the pagans could go in and worship their idols and perform all sorts of abominations physically. They did that. But the Lord here, symbolically, he says, when I raise up this tabernacle, I will repair its damages. I will close all of those entrances they created. And I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. As in the days of old. That is when Moses in the wilderness, he built the tabernacle and they Praise the Lord. They performed their sacrifices and God manifested himself. And the high priest once a year would speak with God. And they were there. That was the first tabernacle. So here it says that he would be raising it up just as in the days of old. Now the Lord did not even say, I will rebuild it just like how Solomon built it. No, because what Solomon built, it had been profaned. And so he was speaking of this tabernacle that Moses had built as in those days of old. So the Lord was speaking here. Again, we're highlighting David, the tabernacle of David, because remember, from David came the king. From David's seed, our Lord Jesus Christ came from the seed of David, came from the family, the lineage of King David. And when it spoke of this tabernacle, he was speaking in the spiritual sense. It was symbolic. And so how beautiful the word of our Lord is when we read it in this way, when we use all of our five senses in order to understand this and comprehend it. And now let us go to the Psalms. Now it is going backwards. So in the middle is where you will find Psalms. It's in the middle a little bit less than the middle, then you'll find the book of Psalms. And we'll be reading Psalm 22, verse 28. Psalm 22, verse 28, because we here are seeing the kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, the true kingdom. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the king, the king that David had spoke of, the king that the people were waiting to come, the Messiah, that Savior, that perfect kingdom in which men would be happy. Psalm 22, verse 28. Now it says, but let us read verse 27 first. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. Now, here, this is not saying that the kingdom would be of any ordinary man, of a man that would be building the kingdom, and 
from the best families would the Messiah be born, that from the best families would the Messiah be born because he would be the king. No. It says that the kingdom is God, is the Lord's and not of human beings so that no one should have any type of illusion of waiting for a king because they will never have it. The king already lives. He exists. The king has existed over 2,000 years and it is our Lord Jesus Christ. No one should let themselves be deceived in thinking to wait for another king. The kingdom is the Lord's. It says for the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. And so we will not be searching for anything else. Let us not search for anything else. In Psalm 78, let us now pass over to Psalm 78 concerning the kingdom of our Lord. In the Bible, there are many verses, almost the entire Bible, we find verses that speak of the kingdom of the Lord, that speak of King David and his seed, his offspring, but it turns out now there are so many, well, we don't have enough time to read them all. So I chose just a few. But in the Bible, this is why it is important. It is good to read the Bible. For in the Bible, we find God's truth. And in, we said Psalm 78, verse 70. Verse 70. Now, of course, David, the Lord, chose David, his servant, and says, from following the ewes that he that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So this is a bit redundant. It was so that he could shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. They are both the same. Jacob and Israel, they are the same. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Now David here, David, he did good things. He did his job well. And the promise was for his seed, that his seed would build the kingdom, the kingdom, the throne of David, which would be a kingdom forever. Now in Psalm 113, Psalm 113, verse 19. To such, it's Psalm 103, verse 18. To such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. So that's the men and women who do God's will and keep his commandments. It says, the Lord, he established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules for over all. Here it is not saying that our Lord Jesus Christ established his kingdom in the physical Jerusalem or in any other city of Israel. It does not say that. It says that he established his king, his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So his kingdom, the kingdom of our Lord is ruling, but the kingdom of our Lord is spiritual. And so further on, we're going to read some verses where our Lord Jesus Christ confirms these things. Now here in Psalm, now we're in Psalm 145, 
Let's go to Psalm 145. We'll be reading 10, 11, 12, and 13. Now, in Psalm 145, verse 1, it says, I will extol you, my God, O King. So he is saying, he is the King. Our Lord is King. But as we, time and time again, we have understood that the Son and the Father are one, that the Son is God, the Father is God. If the Son is King, the Father is King, and the kingdom is one, says, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. In verse 10, it says, All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Who are the saints? The saints are men and women that are followers of the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth the followers of the Lord, those who have believed in him and those who have received their blessings and who have had the experiences with the Holy Spirit and they know the commandments of the Lord and they keep them and each of them is doing God's will, keeping his commandments. They are the saints. All men, all women who keep the commandments of our God our Lord calls them saints. The word saint, it means to be set apart, to separate, to be separated for. And so this man, this woman is keeping my commandments. I will set them apart from my kingdom, set them apart from my glory. This woman is keeping the commandments. They are set apart because I have them ready to bless and for eternal life. That is what saints means. It's to be set apart, to be separated for someone. And so the Lord says, and the saints, your saints shall bless you, those who do God's will. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men or the world his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. So our Lord Jesus Christ is the king. Our Lord is king and his kingdom is eternal and he is with us. Our Lord reigns among us. Now, if you want God to reign in your life, read the Bible. Have a willing heart. Say to God, I want to belong to your kingdom. I want to be a holy man, a holy woman, meaning a man or a woman set apart for you. I want you to set me apart for you, for your kingdom. It is that. That's what we must do. And with a sincere heart. With much sincerity in our heart, God will hear us. Let us now read in Isaiah. After Psalms, you'll find Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11. Chapter 11 of Isaiah. 
which says, and we'll be reading from verse 1 through 10. And it says here, and there's a title in some Bibles, and it says, The Righteousness Seed of the Messiah. Now it says, there shall, be, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, Jesse, I believe, was the father of David. Now, you can research that, but it was of the family of King David, which was Jesse. It says, from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So upon that branch, or that stem, so from, from him, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now to highlight here, it repeats. Now it says Spirit and Spirit and Spirit. And it is to highlight the power that this marvelous king would have. And in verse 3, it says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide or when the Lord appeared on earth to preach his gospel, it said that he would be a man full of knowledge, of power, of fear of the Lord, of wisdom and intelligence. And truly, we read of many wonders, signs, and doctrine that he taught. And we have very few books or knowledge of all of his wonders and manifestation that he performed when he was on earth as a human being. Very few are the scriptures that we have. But the few scriptures we do have, they give us the faith that we saw the manifestation of this prodigious being full of wisdom in intelligence, with knowledge and fear of the Lord, with his miracles, his doctrine, all were amazed by his teachings. His enemies were envious because his enemies, they had to study their entire life in order to have the position of being teachers. But nevertheless, they did not have the capability, the sagaciousness, that the Lord Jesus Christ had. And this is why, in part, they were envious. But it says that the work of this king, when he was on earth, it says that he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. So no one would convince him Someone would come and accuse another person, a woman. A group of people accused a woman who had been found in adultery. And they told the Lord Jesus Christ. In the law of Moses, it says that these women who are caught in adultery, they must be stoned. 
the Lord Jesus Christ was not convinced by what they said to him. This is why it says here that he shall not decide by the hearing of his ears, nor will he judge by the sight of his eyes. But his intelligence, his wisdom, and his power, his knowledge is what, would, is what he would do or use to judge someone if truly they were to blame or guilty. And this is why they would complain to the Lord and would accuse others before him to see what he would say. But the Lord in his wisdom, they, they, he would shut them up with his answers that he would give them. And what did he answer? With the wisdom he had of this woman who had been accused of adultery, he tells them, okay, fine. Moses says you must stone her, yes. And so he who has no sin, let him, he who is a holy, a holy person who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. They said, well, well, I can't lie. If I say that I have no sin and so I'm going to cast the first stone, well, surely he'll then call out all of my sins and he'll embarrass me in front of everyone else. And so, all of them, the Lord, he pretended like he didn't see and when he stood up, there was no one there anymore. So he told the woman, where are all of your accusers? They have left. Well, I too, I will not condemn you. But go and sin no more. Don't do what you're doing. Don't commit those adulteries anymore. And so, our Lord, what is said here was fulfilled. He says, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears. This perfect king, the king was already ruling. He was governing. But it says again, he but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. But of course this is not the poor financially, but those that are poor or lowly in heart, humble. This woman, she was poor in the sense that she was weak. She had no voice or say, she had no authority. She surely probably lived as a harlot. And so she could not go and, and speak up for herself and because she had no power. She didn't have that ability. But in her heart, there was nobleness because she believed the Lord and surely she no longer sinned after that and obeyed the Lord, believed in Him because a humble heart. A humble heart is who this poor in spirit is about. That poor in spirit is someone who is not arrogant, proud or rebellious or stubborn, who thinks that they know it all and that they have everything and they, they're capable of doing everything on their own. Who is not arrogant? Who doesn't behave this way? You call them humble or you call them poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is not somebody who was also not mentally challenged, but someone who was not arrogant. Those who are not poor in spirit are arrogant. They're proud. They think that they're in command, that they're above everyone else. And they look at everyone beneath them. And so this is why the Lord said that he, with righteousness, he shall judge the poor. So again, right, or blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, because they will have a willing heart, their humble, lowly heart, to seek the Lord, to believe in him, to love him and respect him and do his will. These are the poor who the Lord said were blessed. 
I'll read verse 4 again. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth, which is the same poor and meek, meek and poor are the same. And it says, he shall strike the earth with a rod of his mouth. Yes, he will strike the earth with a rod of his, with his mouth. And that's the doctrine. The Lord taught the doctrine to the Pharisees. He would reproach them for their hypocrisy, for their sins in all that they were doing. The Lord reproached them for that and cast everything down, everything that they said down. And this is what it meant. Now, striking the earth, it was not physically, but just striking down those that were listening. And among them, his enemies who thought that they knew a lot. And the Lord taught them the doctrine and said, repent, repent, because you are an evil generation, a perverse generation that does not keep and do the will of our Heavenly Father. And so this is what it means to strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. The Lord speaking, speaking to them the truth, preaching and teaching them the true doctrine, teaching them the law of Moses because they did not fulfill it. They said that they taught the law of Moses, but they would never practice it. And so this is what it means. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. And the wicked were they themselves, the enemies, the Pharisees, the scribes who persecuted him and who said that they taught the law of Moses, but they never did God's will. And our Lord Jesus Christ always said, this is an evil generation. The Lord would call the Pharisees hypocrites and liars. And so this verse Verse 4 came to pass. Verse 5, righteousness shall be the belt of his loins. That belt that he carries at his loins, the loins are the waist. And faithfulness, the belt of his waist. And so, it says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Meaning, that the Lord... In his rule, in his kingdom that started from the time that he was on earth, the Lord began to change and transform the evil hearts of people. There were men and women that were very sinful, that committed many evil things, thefts. They would commit homicide and, and break many laws. They would con people. They had no mercy of anyone. They were liars. They were false witnesses. They committed adultery, fornication, all sorts of things. People breaking the law. And so all of these people, the Lord, those who believed in him, he converted. Those who believed in him, it was a woman who commits sin and commits evil. They are considered, as it says here, a wolf. Or you can consider them a leopard. Or you can consider them a lion or a serpent. There are people that speak, that rant and say many obscene things. And people who maybe use a lot of profanity. And people say, oh, this person has a serpent's tongue. Or this person has... Again, a serpent's tongue. You're a serpent. Oh, no. That, that person is a lioness, a tigress. She's a tigress. Oh, that person, she's very similar to a, a leopard, a panther, with how bad they are. You hear people say these things. They nickname other people based on their 
their behavior, their bad actions, their attitude, and they compare them to animals. And so, this is true. So you see this comparison, it was logical. For here, it says the Lord, while he was ruling, our Lord Jesus Christ, being in his kingdom, ruling and teaching righteousness, teaching the doctrine, and also those who believed in him, the Lord began to do the work in every life. And so after the Lord preaches and teaches, works miracles and signs, people convert, men and women convert, the Lord enters to dwell in the hearts of these people and takes away their sinning tendency, takes away their bad attitude and their bad habits. And people begin to live a holy, upright life with the Lord. They begin to be humble, simple, meek, well-mannered, with values, with good traits and virtues. And it says, just like that, all have changed. Because there was a complete zoo. The Lord, he found a zoo in people's lives, men and women. And when the Lord changes them, that zoo, it says, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Now we know that physically, wolves eat lambs. That's what they eat. They eat them. But here in the change of life that the Lord Jesus Christ as the king is performing in the life of all, this wolf will no longer eat that lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And so the leopard will no longer eat the young goat because he's changed. Their wrath has gone away. Their, their anger, their vengeance, their, they've stopped ranting and profaning and they've stopped trying to take the life of someone else. It says the calf the calf and the young lion and the fatling to, together, and the, the little child shall lead them. Now, of course, again, the calf and the young lion. So these women or these men who had these types of traits compared to these animals in their daily life, that's how they behaved. They would harm others, harm people that are weak, taking things from the poor. And incarcerating those that are innocent, stoning those that are innocent. So many people were stoned innocently. How many times perhaps a man fell in love with a woman who was married and to obtain her, he falsely accused her husband so that he would be killed and he could be stoned and he was accused falsely so that he would be killed and she could be a widow and he could marry her. How many things didn't occur or have happened or will occur and continue to happen? Because that is the beast that is in every man, every woman. There is a beast, a savage animal. But the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom, what did he do? He changed the hearts. This is why our Lord Jesus Christ said, I will give you a new heart. A heart that is renewed. And you will be cleansed. Your sins will be forgiven. You will be cleansed and you will live an upright life, a holy life, a righteous life, which is what I want, says the Lord. And so this verse 6, do not forget it. It says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Now imagine that. 
The Lord changes and transforms hearts. And all of these men and women, they become perfect and holy, humble and lowly, without sin, loving God, loving thy neighbor, loving people around them, someone that is sincere, honest, and honorable, and organized, responsible, someone that is blameless in every aspect. After having been a beast or a ferocious lion or a serpent, but the king, the king has worked these miracles. The king came to reign and rule. He is ruling and he is working all of these miracles in the hearts of each man, each woman that submit themselves and want to change and want to follow the footsteps of our God to reach eternity. Eternity praises and glory be to the name of our Lord. And here in verse 8, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole and the weaned child shall put his hand in the vibe so the nursing child and the weaned child they are the same it says and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain so the holy mountain it is not a specific place the holy mountain is not like how people believe that one day the king will come again and he will live on in that country in this particular place and there will be his temple no that is a lie everything in our lord is spiritual that holy mountain is the church it is men and women believers and followers of god who have changed after being beasts they have changed god has changed them that is the holy mountain of our lord the kingdom of our god is spiritual and it says they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. The earth meaning human beings. All human beings, they will have the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And that knowledge of the Lord is the gospel, the perfect gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the knowledge of the Lord. That is the knowledge of the doctrine. And it says, the earth shall be full of that knowledge. Verse 10, and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. It says, it shall be as a banner to the people for the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. And I'll once again read verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which is our Lord Jesus Christ, the King who shall stand so our lord jesus christ stands as a spiritual banner it says this banner this king will stand and will be a banner to the people and the gentiles shall seek him meaning our lord will be sought by people and his resting place the resting place of our lord shall be glorious yes because the resting place of our lord is the temple it is that holy mountain it is that spiritual tabernacle it is the church it is the men and women who have a righteous upright heart before the lord this is the resting place of our lord and it shall be glorious and it is ruling and lastly let us go to matthew let us search in matthew chapter 3 verse 2 matthew matthew chapter 3 verse 2 our lord jesus christ is now here on earth preaching his gospel it says that he began to preach the gospel at 33 years of age 
And in verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so John here was preaching, and we find the fulfillment of the covenant that the Lord made with David. And what we read in Psalms, and what we read in Isaiah, and what we've just read here is the fulfillment. Here in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we find the fulfillment of those promises. And it says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now let us go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, very quickly, verse 5, 6, 7, and 8, Matthew chapter 10, which says, These twelve, it says, Our Lord Jesus Christ sent his twelve disciples and sent them out and con commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. Our Lord Jesus Christ here is ruling, beginning his kingdom. And it says, but go rather, or again, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. So he's saying only preach to the Jews and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. So only to the Jews, only to those who dwell in Judea or Judah. Verse 6, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This was the whole state of Judah. And as you go, preach, saying, so when you go, throughout all of those homes, all of those places, preach and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So meaning, do not charge in performing these miracles. Be very careful in doing that because you have received from me everything freely. I have given you the spiritual gifts, the power freely. You also must work the miracles there freely. And so no charging people and do not become materialistic and negotiate with the word of God and that among other things. When the Lord, he says that they should heal the sick and cleanse the lepers, well, the Lord was demonstrating what we read in Isaiah when he said that with his knowledge, with his wisdom, with his, with his wisdom, he would work so much righteousness for those poor in spirit and this is true this is working righteousness to heal the sick to cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out demons because many people that are possessed by evil spirits many people have schi schi schizophrenia and so the lord said all of this to them he said do all of these things all of these things but you know now it is free he says do not bring gold or silver nor copper in your money bounce because wherever you go to preach and do all the work people will try will give you food and will give you a place to sleep because at least you deserve to have food and a place to sleep because after all of these miracles that you perform you deserve it this is what the lord said to them and so there we find the righteousness of our god and where we read in isaiah our lord jesus christ living the reality of it and this is why we do not doubt that our lord jesus christ is the messiah he is the savior he who god would send there he is there is no other and there will be no other to come they will be waiting those who are waiting for another king they will continue to wait forever because he will never come again. Our Lord will come, of course, in the clouds, but to gather his church. But he is already ruling. And we said that we were going to read from verse 10. 
It says, nor, nor bag for your journey, nor two, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. That is it. So them in going, performing all of these miracles, people were very generous with them and provided them with food and all of the necessary things from even clothes. And we continue reading here in Matthew 21. Now we are here in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of that and the sign and proof that our Lord Jesus Christ is the King. Blessed is his name. Matthew, we said Matthew 21 verse 43. 21 verse 43. Therefore, I say, or here in verse 42, let's start there. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Where it says here that the stone which the builders rejected, it was the law of Moses and those who practiced it. They were the builders who were building a building, a temple, a people. It says they rejected the chief cornerstone of that building, which was Jesus Christ. They rejected him. And the Lord has done, this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So the Lord became the chief of what they despised. And the Lord, he is the head of that building, of that nation, of the people who the Lord told Abraham, you will be the father of many nations, of many people. That is that tabernacle or that building, that spiritual building that the Lord is building. This King, our Lord Jesus Christ, is building it for the honor and glory of himself as well. And in verse 43, we said, chapter 21, verse 43, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you taken from you well it's in that time who was present and who rejected him the jews the pharisees the scribes all of them rejected the lord and so he says therefore i say to you the kingdom of god will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it and who was that nation who was attentive in producing fruits for him the Gentiles, the Gentiles, people of other nations who did not belong to the people of Israel or Judah. And so the blessing was then passed to the Gentiles as well. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder because they don't believe or accept our Lord Jesus Christ. What it does is it destroys them. But it's not that they're going to destroy them physically. It's their spiritual life. And so, the day that maybe death surprises them, they will be condemned. So, how sad it is. And let us not be rebellious or stubborn. Let us read the Bible. And let us ask the Lord to reveal things to us. For we want to be humble. We want to love Him and follow the path of truth. And so, if you have doubts, pray to God and say, Lord, reveal your path to me. Because everything that I hear is very beautiful. But... I still have some doubts. Someone might say this or think that. Ask the Lord. And if your heart is sincere, God will reveal things to you. Now we'll go to John. After Matthew, you'll find Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. The gospel according to John. 
chapter 3, verse 3. Now, when Nicodemus, who was of the Pharisees, at night, it says that he went and he met up with our Lord Jesus Christ. And he went at night so that no one would see him because he was embarrassed that as a Pharisee, that others should see that he was seeking our Lord Jesus Christ. So he went at night and he says, well, Lord, what should I do to earn uh, eternal life? And this is when he answers him. Verse 3, he tells Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Of course, because those who are not born again, now, not born again, it means that they're still a lion, they're still a leopard, they're still a cobra, a serpent, doing Uh, doing what is evil they're sinning but we must be born again so that the lord takes away that beast that is inside takes that away and converts them into a sheep that is lowly humble a dove a, a goat someone that is meek a new man a new woman with a new heart for the kingdom of god so it says most assuredly i say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of god And this is when Nicodemus, he says to him, how can this be done? And the Lord in the end, he tells him in 15, well, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is what we must do. Jesus Christ is the king. He is the king. He is ruling. And so to conclude in John chapter 18, to conclude John chapter 18, and we were going over the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. How beautiful the kingdom of our Lord is. How beautiful that kingdom is. And the most beautiful, glorious thing is that the Lord is ruling with us. Glory to the Lord. He is ruling today. Chapter 18, John chapter 18, verse 36. And it says, Now here, the Lord was before Pilate. He was already in his last days and he was being delivered to death and he was before Pilate and Pilate Pilate is asking the Lord here in verse 35 Pilate answered am I a Jew your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me what have you done Jesus answered my kingdom is not of this world My kingdom is not of this world. Because in verse 33, Pilate, it says that Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Now, our Lord did not give him an answer. This is why Pilate was upset. And he said, well, am I a Jew? It's your own nation, the chief priests who have delivered you to me. So the Lord then answers in 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Now this is true. The kingdom of our Lord was not of this world. The kingdom of our Lord is spiritual. And he is ruling our lord is ruling our lord he is with us and so i invite you i invite the people 
who have not had the opportunity to know this king, to feel him in their heart, to feel him in their being, I invite you to also enjoy of the presence of this marvelous king, our Lord Jesus Christ. That was prophesied in all the Bible. It speaks of him. And we must take away all of our doubts and rebelliousness and believe in the Lord. And we must have a humble heart so that the Lord reveals and shows you that he is. He, he is the truth. He is that king that is ruling. And he today will also be with us working miracles. Working miracles because as his kingdom is spiritual, everything is spiritual. And so we only speak, we ask the Lord, we place everything in his presence, all our petitions, our desires, we place them in his presence and he, he will act. He will work the miracles, the healings, the deliverance because he lives and his kingdom is forever. And it says that he, he rules in the earth and he is ruling. He is ruling men and women. And this is why we do not doubt him. So now let us pray to our Lord. Let us pray to our God for healings and also ask the Lord for this pandemic. Oh, Holy Father, Almighty God, God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Father, you are our King, our Almighty King. You reign, you rule, you govern. You are in our midst, blessed God. Thank you, Holy Father, for you teach us your word, for you teach us your doctrine. Thank you because we have the privilege of having found grace before your eyes and you have called us, you have brought us before your presence and you have given us the opportunity to know your ways, to know your word, to know your path. Thank you, Lord, because you have changed our hearts. You've changed our being. You've taken away from us all that was evil, all that existed inside of us. You've removed it. You've delivered us. You deliver and change us. You give us a noble, humble heart, a lonely heart. Thank you, Holy Father, for this mercy, for your benevolence. Blessed is your name for all eternity and evermore. And Lord, allow many men and women to come to the knowledge of your word and truth, of your path, that many men and women may know of you and may enjoy and be marveled of your power and all that you do, Lord, because we are very happy with you, my God. And there are many people who say they, they are unhappy, that are sad, that want to take their life, but it's because they have not known your path. Lord, give them an opportunity to know your path and help them because some have known your path, but the devil does not allow them to progress and he impedes this blessing. I pray that you have mercy and that you rebuke the enemy. I also pray, Lord, that in these moments for this pandemic, this virus, this sickness that is worldwide, it is global. Lord, extend your hand and may you cut away these things and do not allow this evil to continue for there is suffering, there is sadness, there is bitterness. Families are losing their loved ones and also there is financial hardship. 
that comes from this. There's tribulation in every aspect for us. And we pray, Lord, that you guide us, that you teach us, that you speak to us and show us, Lord, what needs to be done, what we need to do and how we need to do it to convince you, Holy Father, so that our prayers are heard and that you extend your hand and that you stop all of this crisis, O Holy Father. O Lord, I pray that you, that people know your work, your ways, your church, that know of you, O Holy Father. I pray that you extend your hand in the glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, that you he that you extend your healing hand and that you remove all of the sicknesses. And there are different diverse of illnesses and diseases, and may you heal each person, take away all of those incurable diseases. There are many sicknesses, diseases like cancer, many that are incurable, diseases in the blood, in the tissues, in the bones. And Lord, there are also many psychological illnesses, many people, children that suffer from autism. May you extend your hand and may you heal. May you cut away and remove all of these evil spirits. Epilepsy, all of these are evil spirits. They're demons. It's, witch, it's witchcraft and sorcery. It is curses that have come upon families. I pray, my Father, that you extend your hand in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and that you deliver, deliver the minds of people, of men and women who are defiled in their thoughts, in their minds. They're also defiled by seeing unclean things and doing unclean things, abominations. Other people that are victims of and, and vices of pornography and they corrupt their minds with all of these things and they hurt other people, people that are around them, those by their side. And they harm children, they harm the youth those that are in drug addiction and all of these different vices. May you take away all of these things. There are many people who already know your path and they have family members, they have children that are suffering and facing all of these torments. Holy Father, hear their prayers and help them, Lord, deliver. And may you take away all rebelliousness and stubbornness and, and raise up men and women that have the spiritual gifts in perfection, just as with you. You named your disciples and you sent them to go preach. You sent them to perform miracles and signs and you gave them power. Today, we also wait for you to raise up many men and women with the spiritual gifts with power and with your support, Lord, so that many miracles and signs may be done in your name, so that people and the world may know that you are our king, that you are ruling, Lord, and that you are giving us the power and the support, and that we, we are not able to do anything without your permission, without your authority. Thank you, Holy Father, in the glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, and bless each one, deliver each person, and may you take away all evil, take away sadness and sorrow, take away depression, because there are many people that suffer from depression, and they are unclean spirits that come to that person and that don't allow them to have peace or have joy. Deliver and cleanse each life, each heart, each being. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in the glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, we pray all. Thank you, my Lord and King. Praises be to you now and evermore. Amen. Glory to our God. And we're going to be singing to the Lord chorus number 80. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord, oh praise the Lord. All you Gentiles, all you nations, his name worship. For great is his love and his merciful kindness toward all his people. And the faithfulness of God remains forever. Hallelujah. Amen. And the faithfulness of God, hallelujah, is forevermore. Praise the Lord, oh praise the Lord. All you Gentiles, all you nations, his name worship. For great is his love and his merciful kindness toward all his people. And the faithfulness of God remains forever. Hallelujah. Amen. And the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah is forevermore. Honor and glory be for our God and thanks we give to our King, our divine King, our beloved King. May God bless you greatly. I love you. I send you many kisses to you all. God bless you.